What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Lone Wolf Podcast. I'm your host, Wolfson. And today's episode, we got a special guest in the building. This person has been a longtime fan of the show. That's right. We have a fan, but he's not just any other fan. I've known this person for quite some time here in South Florida, especially in the EDM scene. And we had a great conversation today. So please say hello to South Florida's up and coming house DJ, Mikey Barinichi. That's why we basically started talking about all bunch of stuff, you know, when it comes for him and what got to him as a DJ and as a producer. It's actually a very interesting story because most of the time, People actually get into mu- in the music scene because there were there were musicians that got inspired by by music and they play certain notes. But in his case, he's different actually because it was kind of the similar story as mine. He actually became a DJ first and then became a, a producer. Something that he and I share was the fact that you know something that was told to us is like, hey, for you to play on these certain shows or these certain festivals. You need to learn how to make music. And he did exactly what he did. The only difference is that in his story, he actually learned from music a certain way. And I learned it from from mentorship, from school and whatnot. But he actually learned it way different and the most common way to learn music, which is pretty wild because this guy learned it from YouTube. That's right, guys. YouTube. And he learned everything that YouTube, yet he's getting played in shows and he's also getting played by certain artists like 4B and such. And that's actually pretty interesting. I was like, wow, I didn't know about that type of stuff. I l- honestly did not know that he learned music that way. And it's actually very interesting because we are living in an age in which we can learn everything in the Internet. Like anything that's in the Internet, we can basically learn it. So we don't really need to go to schools or go to certain people, you know. But we actually did talk about all the stuff and stuff. And we also talk about how the music scene is, how the Miami scene is at right now with all the pandemic that's happening, you know. And we also got down to some of the stuff like what got him to be a DJ or, or a music producer, what what inclined to him to be a house DJ, you know? And then we got to some serious stuff and like, do you think these certain people should be called artists? Wink, wink. And as well as some of the stuff of how he actually makes his his music and how can he escape from writer's block? That's right. Everybody has writer's block. We just don't know it, but we do. And it was just a, an interesting conversation overall. And I really enjoyed it. So be sure to like and subscribe for your weekly episodes at the Lone Wolf Podcast for SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and of course the YouTube channel at LoneWolfPod.com. That's LoneWolfPod.com where you can check all my latest episodes. You can also follow me at any of my social medias at Wolfson Music as well as the Twitch channel at Wolfson Music and SoundCloud as well. Hmm. Even Spotify as well. You can find me at, at Wolfson Music. Honestly, I got a lot of a lot of social media. That's pretty cool, you know? Well, coming soon, if we can get YouTube, if we could get YouTube to have 100 followers, all our social medias will be changed to the Lone Wolf Pop. Straight up. But I need your help, guys. I need you guys to share this episode all around and let the people know, you know, because it's the only way for me to get to 100 subscribers. Once we hit that, man, we're going to have our own name and we can do so much more stuff, you know? I mean, we could talk about a lot of other stuff, but, you know, well, I got a years ahead of planning the topics to talk about and a couple of guests that I'm planning to get, you know, so, well, well, 
Without further ado, let's get started. This is the Lone Wolf Podcast. On my on my channels, I was like, damn, why is it so loud? And I see that it was still yellow. I was like, huh, why is it? It's loud, but it's yellow. It's not even clipping at all. So I was like, oh, yeah. it's my headphones. I had to turn it down. <laughs> These I, I gotta tell you, these are not headphones made for 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 studio or any of that, man. These are just basically headphones made for just to listen. That's it. For talking it's, for real. Yeah, I mean they're gaming headphones, you know. Yeah. So you know that it's it it's the it's a good headphones for me to to use for whatever to listen gaming whatnot, you know. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend this for for music production. But if I put, I've seen people using worse headphones than these for music production. Yeah. I'm, I'm still <laughs> shocked how how they can manage to have those um those mitts that sound tight and clean. So they, I think they just gotta guess, and then when they go in the car, they listen to it. The, yeah, man. I. I, <laughs> I, I <laughs> That that the car is the ultimate test for whenever you know whether your mitts is good or a shit. Right, hundred percent. It's so disappointing sometimes. I sometimes have to fake myself in my car because you know <laughs> if if I don't feel my bass in my car, that means like shit. My bass is low. It's not Facts. there. Facts. <laughs> so bad, man. But how are you, man? Welcome to the show. I'm good, bro. How about you? I'm super good, man. Just trying to you know. Living day by day with the podcast and the pandemic, you know, try to do my best. I'm the I'm the biggest fan of the show. Yes, you are, man. <laughs> yes, you are, and I do want to appreciate the fact that you've been, you know, following me and commenting on all my episodes, man. I appreciate that very much. That's why it was like, man, I need to get this guy, you know, and not as a, as a fan, but you know, as as another person that I have to yeah. interview in the list of guests that I want in my show. So obviously, thank you for coming in, man. No, no problem, bro. Yeah, I'm hyped. That's good, man. That's good. So, man, there's like lots to talk about, man, especially with you, man, because lately I've been seeing a lot of moves. Yeah, <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of moves from you, man. So I'm loving it, man. Whatever is it that you, you're doing, keep doing it. So tell me the first thing that was the first thing I saw that was like, oh, shit, this guy's making moves from this week. Yeah, uh, probably for uh, be bringing me up. That's tight. <laughs> I That's, was, uh, damn, I, like during this whole quarantine, he had been playing one of my tracks uh, in like all his live stream sets. So like, that's how you know when they really love it. Like they're not playing it just once. Like they're playing it in every set, like early on in the set. I saw that he was coming to Fort Lauderdale. I'm like, bro, I gotta go. Like I have to go. I've never seen somebody like play my track like that. I said hi to him when I got there. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm dropping it early in the set. And he, he goes on the mic. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is Mikey Barnishi song. And then he's like, yo, security, let that guy through. Like, I wasn't oh. expecting that. And I just ran into the back and went crazy. <laughs> oh, shoot. So you're getting the VIP treatment all around. <laughs> right, right. I wasn't expecting any of that at all. I was just going to be in the crowd and see it happen. Oh, that's what's up. And 4B was in Fort Lauderdale this weekend then. Uh, that was last weekend. And this weekend, he was hmm. in Winwood. Okay, got you, got you. So what what kind of song was it? Like it was it a typical house song or was it something like something that 4B and all these people from Matt Decent play around, like that carnival jungle terror stuff? Uh, no, it was house, but okay. he's been playing house now, like in his sets. 
Oh, really? Like, uh, I don't want to call it tech house, but it's like it's very much like tech house, but it's it's like a lot more hype. Like it has like a like a very hype vocal on it. So it's like kind of like a house track that you'd play like on a big stage kind of thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like some I don't know, man. I just you don't expect for these kind of things to happen. Like I thought it was cool, but I didn't know like this many people would think it's cool. That's dope, man. And how how did he get his hands on that song? Do you send it over to him? Oh yeah, I've been sending him music probably for like three years, bro. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, and he's like one of the best at like listening. Like I always see that he listens to it. I see him in the plays. He's downloaded a couple of my tracks before this, but it's never been like he's never loved one like this much. Really? Yeah. So is, so is this track? Is there gonna be any future release on somewhere or somehow? It's coming out. Um. I don't know if you know who Matroda is. I'm sorry, I don't. He's a he's an artist, um, like from Chami's label. He has his own label now called Terminal Underground. Oh, that is like one of my favorite house labels, and it got signed to there. And I made another one that's like really similar to it that I showed um, for B, and he's like, "Nah, bro, this one's gotta come on my label." That's what's up, man. Great <laughs> news. Just right off the bat in the episode, man. Great news. Congratulations, man. Two release two releases on two distincting labels from 100%. one from from 4B. So that's gotta be big, man. Yeah, bro. It's been a good week. Oh, that's good, man. That's good. So how did all all this started? So let's go back again to when did Mikey Baranichi started as a into music? I would say like the beginning, beginning when I was in college playing college ball and just being in the apartment in the in the Midwest during the winter, like you start listening to I started listening to music way more, started getting to Avicii. Mm. A lot of trap music was like my favorite because I was a hip hop head always. So then like the trap remixes were like it was like, wow, like this is even better. <laughs> um, and then like Life in Color, bro, you probably were there. You probably you might have even played it. <laughs> I mean, uh, I was in Life in Color in 2016, 2017. Oh, I think it was a little later. I was at the one that, well, I went to the one that was um, the first one at Sun Life Stadium mm. and then the second one that was two days. So the two day one, I'm there. I'm watching Headhunters. Like first time I've seen a hardstyle artist before. And like seeing like his passion, like how happy he was up there. I was like, wow, like, all right, this is what I want to do. Went back home for college, uh, went back to college and, uh, Bought a DJ controller, started learning how to DJ because, like, that's what I love more than anything, like, a lot more than making music. Mm -hmm. I did that for about two years before I started making music. So, once I finished, like, I came back home from college, that's that's when I started producing. Like, I had a lot more time. I didn't have that much time in college because I was playing baseball, working, and school. Where did you go to college? My first two years, I went to a junior college in Minnesota. And then the, the last two years, I went to a school called Northern State in South Dakota. And do you still go there or you already graduated or you're finished or you're not even? No, I didn't. I just played my four years of baseball. And once that was done, like I knew I wanted to do music. So I'm like, and I, I was just going for business management. Mm. And basically like as a business major, a lot of like projects, like everybody's assignments are not the same because everybody is going to go enter a different business. So my projects would be about the music business. Oh, wow. And I do presentations in school. Like, this is my marketing plan. No, this is like my business plan. 
this is my competition. These are my goals. This is what I have to do to get to them. And everybody in the class is just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> my teacher loved it though. He's like, you know, like everything about this. <laughs> I remember like showing them pictures of Ultra on the, on the PowerPoint. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah, bro. They've never seen anything like that. Bro. Oh, what? Oh. I bet. I mean, what do you do over there in Minnesota and Dakota? What's so, bro. what's so like, amazing to to go there you know nothing <laughs> um mount, mount rushmore but i never i never went but basically you just bro my life there was going to school playing baseball and every weekend just getting drunk at the bar the of same course. bar every single weekend the same bar seeing the same people and they even had like a club open up for a little bit there and i was djing there every every weekend like oh, that's wow. when i that's the first time i ever dj'd and it was like the first day of the club opened, like I went over there and I'm like, bro, I will play for free every weekend. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, you're going to get paid. They pay me like $40 every night, bro. And I was like basically DJing for minimum wage, but I didn't care. I wanted to do it. So, right. so like I lied to them. I told them I was like been DJing since I was a kid in Miami, oh, good which Lord. was like a huge lie. Uh, the first night that it opened, it was packed. Well, like it was a small club, so it only fit like 200 people, but I've never DJed in front of anybody before that. <laughs> and it went well. And the next night, even more people came and it was like over capacity and it was going good for a while. So you just started DJing just recently, like right off the head, like a few years ago. I started learning in 2015, the end of or the beginning of 2015. Mm -hmm. And then I DJed like a real gig. Like in those clubs in South Dakota in mm. 2016 or something like that. Okay. So yeah, and then I DJed in Miami like for the first time in 2017. So you've been DJing for five years at least, at best. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. DJing is is definitely like my comfort zone, like a lot more than producing. Mm, I I can relate to that, man. I've been I've been doing this for. Oof. I started DJing. In two, I'm 31, by the way. I thought yeah. you were younger. That's I good. You look young. Thank you. I dressed the I dressed the part to look like a young guy, but nah, I'm old. I'm older than you think, man. And um, I started DJing like literally at 2005, 2006, around there. I started having my first little CD setup of DJing, man. That's hard. I don't know how you could do that, bro. Oh, well, I'll tell you what. Back then, you didn't have any sync buttons. So yeah, it was, it was, it was all how, by ears. How did like transition? Did transitions get judged different back then? Because, bro, that's hard DJing with CDs. So did was it a little like messier? Not as perfect as it is now? Uh, right now, is, yeah. I can say that back then, it was definitely much more messier. But you somehow hide it. So you don't really mm -hmm. notice it. Even as a fan or as a as an outsider that doesn't know anything about DJing, you don't really notice it. And because I wasn't being paid too much attention about BPNs at, by that time, I just, I was so good at, at mixing. This song goes well with this song and right. this song goes well with this song. And then so, and then becomes a ladder. I didn't care what was the BPN of one or the other. I just know that if I put this on and this on afterwards, it's going to, it's going to go bonkers. And that's yeah. how, and that's how I started DJing. And it wasn't until when I hit the club scene in 2010 in Puerto Rico, still in Puerto Rico at this time. That's when I got myself, I purchased um, 
tra- tractor. Yeah. And like then the I, turntables or a controller? The the interface. The tractor interface that allows me to play in, a, in the turntables. Kind of like oh, okay. before before I got into Serato, I was into tractor. Yeah. And then that's where I learned a whole lot more about BPN and beat matching. And then that that co- opened a can of worms for me and my life and my DJ skills that to this day, you can give me any program or any CDJ or any turntables and I'll yeah. still mix the fuck out of it, bro. Yeah. It's just, I, it's practicing, man. It's, it, it'll call boils down to practicing and knowing what you're crafting. And I don't know anything about music theory at that time. Yeah. I just, I just knew by ear that this song goes well with this. It's weird. It's weird. Like that's when I started DJing, all I knew was BPMs. I was like, all right, we got to match the BPMs. Mm. And if you don't, you got to transition like at a break where it's like, like, yeah, I would notice when I'm playing, when I was playing that club in college, that some songs went so good after each other. Like when they're, I would always like, so like when I matched the BPMs, some songs went so good together more than others and i didn't know that it was because of the key of the songs right i didn't know anything about the keys i didn't pay attention to that at all right. but once my my boy like around 2017 he was like oh you should like try to like match the keys to play with the keys and i'm like once he told me that it's like a different level it sounds like they're just supposed to go together right that's exactly that's exactly how it went down when i moved here in, in florida that you know now that i was starting to making music I yeah. need to know what key am I in my song and which key does this song mix with what other songs. And and I got heavily involved in that part. And then, yeah, it, it's a, it, once you know about the keys of each song and when you're mixing it, you're like, oh my God. Right. This is, it's when I'm making music, sometimes it's hard for me to, it's like, so if I'm um, drawing in like my own notes, mm. it's easy because I know the key, like, and I know which notes I can use, but, Let's say if I want to use a vocal sample or some something, yeah. Um, sometimes I'll be like off by like a semitone, and I won't I won't notice. Yeah, I mean but that's I'll send it to my boys and they'll be like, oh yeah, just go uh, down one or up one. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the same thing as I feel every time I'm I got a vocal and I'm like I need to make sure this is the right key. Um, that's why I actually yeah. got Melodyne because Melodyne actually helps you a lot and. When you know that your song is at a certain key and you know the keys to that scale, then when you hit Melodyne, it's, bro, it's just... You just throw it in there and it, you and just, it shows you the notes? Yeah, you just throw it in there. You can actually see the the waveform of the vocals and you can tell the, and you can see that at which note that or pitch that vocal is at. And then what you can do is you just basically drag those vocals into into the right notes so it could be at scale. So let's yeah. say like you're that this certain vocal is at E minor and you want an F minor. Yeah. You you know when you slap it on Melodyne, you can see all the notes that are according to the E minor or you got to do is just move this to be at that scale at that note and that's pretty much it. Melodyne yeah. is a lifesaver. The other one that's is a- um mids mids in keys by capital capital plugins and they're both plugins that you can get for any doll yeah yeah i gotta look into it i've seen one called um i think it's just literally called autotune that i've seen um a hip-hop producer used and it's like you throw it in and it kind of like does it for you you put the scale and it Mm. like adjusts it 
the I have I have mixed feelings with Autotune to be honest, and it's because it's because yes, that like you can slap it and you can actually do it for you, but it gives you that T Pain sound. Yeah, I, that's I don't like that sound. Yeah, so that's so it doesn't happen when you use Melodyne. It does not. It's just, it you you just basically hear the notes turn uh, tune in a little bit, you know. Yeah, it's much it's it's much more effective because I again you're doing something manually versus something automatically. The auto tune yeah. does the job for you automatically, but it's because of those those little voices that the T Pain voice I call it. You know that sometimes it, it feels like damn, bro, like it. You can tell that this guy, this vocal, yeah, like you don't want that. That's what you try to avoid to. That's where you get stuff like Melodyne, which is perfect for for vocals or any other wave format. At to be honest, you can slap, you can even slap a bass. That's another different key, even though you can do it on a DAW. But even so, you can slap the bass and you can tune it to the key that you want, and boom, yeah. And capital plugins, uh, mixed in key, yeah, they they're very good. They it's like a mixture of both, like automatic and manually. So it's a give and take. I haven't purchased it yet. It's fifty eight bucks. It's not that bad. Oh, dude, I'm gonna get it. Yeah, it's not that bad. And I know for a fact that in that plugin itself, if you don't know the key of that song, that plugin will tell you right away of like uh, any song that that's like out. Yeah, like any song or yeah. anything, anything in particular that you don't know what's the key of it. You just basically slap the song to it and then mid key will basically automatically tell you what it is. Yeah. Another way to, to do it, but this is more of my in audio engineer side. So another way to detect scales is the using the the EQ graphics. Like and seeing where it's uh, like the strongest point, right? Yeah. I use fan sometimes. It's like a visual. It's, and it's like, I just look to see where it's like the highest point, I think. Yeah, exactly. So you that, that's another way to detect which uh, which scale is the song by by using the EQ graphics. Like I, ha I have Ableton, so I use the EQ8 and it tells me right away like 77 hertz is disc root key, you yeah. know? Or fat filter. Fat filter also is good at it and you can and it's much more expanded, so you know you can how far far you you're going into. That's that's more on the mixing technical side, you know. Yeah, I mean if it you go whatever is easier for you, you know. Yeah, I mean I want the easiest. I just want <laughs> I just want want it fast. Like if, if I could just DJ, bro, mm -hmm. I would. But you, it's it doesn't work like that. You gotta produce. You gotta make good music. Yeah, man, that's something that I learned when I was when I wanted to play in EDC Puerto Rico. That's one of the things that they were telling me. Like, if you want to play in the whatever stage I I want to play, I have to learn how to produce music. And I, you know, I was just a DJ by heart, DJ by first. Mm -hmm. Like, I know nothing about production. It was until I move in to go to school, the same school that me and Chavalo went to. That's where I learned how to make music. I mean, same school as Chavalo and Nitty Gritty all together. We were all yeah. in same class. I thought you were more of a producer. I'm an audio engineer first. First first before I'm first of a DJ, then I'm an audio engineer, then a producer. That's how I am because as a producer, I'll tell you what, bro, like I'm not the best producer out there. And I'm being very open about it. Like yeah. like I know what level my sons are. Like I'm proud of the one hit 
songs that I did. I'm very proud no, about you know that. your stuff though. Because when I was at, when I when I met you at your apartment, um that was poof, that was like a year into me producing and I, I remember showing you a track and you're like, This job is lower than this one and I'm like, Oh it is? So then I had to fix it. But like everything you were telling me, I'm like, damn, I don't know anything, anything about this. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I mean, it take, it's years and years of practice and years of you uh, practicing the same thing. You know, I didn't get to be a producer as I am right now. If it wasn't for the school and if it wasn't for my other mentors like Modestep, Adair and Crimson Child. Some of the, you know, some of the best. He's from LA, right? Which one? Crimson Child, he's Canadian. As in, he like he's like been. Uh, he, didn't he like just release an album? Yeah, the eleventh hour. Yeah, yeah, the eleventh hour. Shout out to Jashar, man. He's one of my mentors. So and and it's funny because like you you could tell it's like how is he mentoring you? So like you you're a dubstep guy. Jashar is something else. It's like he likes rhythm. He told I don't me, even know what that is. I've never heard music like that before. I heard when I heard his album. His, it, I mean. It's something typical that you will listen to an artist, you know, when you're trying to experiment something brand new, you know, like I don't even know how to categorize him. I just say that yeah. he's in in the bass. He's into bass. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's heavy. pretty much like whatever songs that he he produced in that album. Dope as fuck. Fire as fuck. I don't know if I will play them. I don't know if there's a <laughs> song that I'll be playing them. It's. It's not my cup of tea, but I still appreciate his techniques out of it, man. It's, and some of the stuff that I listen is like, man, I bet he did this the way he showed me how to do this, you know? I bet that he didn't make it for, he didn't make that for somebody else to play. That's no, just his. No, that's, that's just his. He's your, your Canadian version of Porter Robinson. Bro, I was going to say that. <laughs> you know how many times I'm in the studio and I'm just like, I'm like, today, do I want to be the guy that everybody plays their song or do I want to make something that like Porter Robinson, like you go to hear his songs, like nobody else really plays it. Ever. No, even sometimes the remixes, you know, like, he, like it's, I don't know, like you can't play a Porter Robinson on any festival. I mean, you can sneak it in and you'll be like, holy shit, he snuck in a Porter Robinson song. <laughs> But it's you hard. Could, you can play the old ones, but yeah. the new ones, there's no like format. No. It's like Dead Mouse. Yeah. Like Dead Mouse has a lot of songs like that. It's like you don't know when the drop is coming. You can't predict it. Like there's no the intro is like two minutes long. <laughs> See, that's why it's dope about Crimson Child um with Josh Hart. Because he's the exact model as a as an artist needs to follow and evolve to yeah because as time goes by you you can either like you said you can either play music that everybody can play or play music that only you can play and see it's and it boils down that exclusivity you know like only yeah. you can play so that means since only you can play people want to hear that song from you yeah. and they will go to your shows no matter what because they know they cannot get that vibe from someone else. They know they can only exactly. get it by him. So even though it's a dope thing to do, I will say that's not something that an up-and-comer should be thinking about yeah, now. 
Yeah. Like, I get the whole concept of, you know, stay in your lane and build something that's from you and, you know, something that's dope. Create something that's unique for you. But it only applies once once you already have a following, a build. Yeah. Once you already establish yourself, that's where you can go take that route a lot yeah. more often. Because if you, if it will use again the Porter Robinson example before Porter Robinson wrote that album of worlds, which is like today still people like go nuts go. about it. Yeah, if we use Porter Robinson as an example. What music was he playing before that? Like progressive house, electro, right? He was actually playing more uh, bass music. Yeah, like he, the ones that I know the most are like Language, Easy, and those are like, those are songs that any other person could play on the main stage. I mean, I'll tell you what, those are the songs that are playing from Worlds, but before he got to Worlds, he was he was with Skrillex. He was yeah. with Deadmau5. He was so different. Yeah. He <laughs> was like he, a different person. He was he was actually jumping in that um dubstep wagon when dubstep started to be more mainstream. Yeah, yeah. And be, at that time, mid tempo was on the rise because mid tempo because Skrillex was playing mid tempo as well. Knife Party yeah. was playing mid tempo as well, so everybody was jumping in. Porter Robinson did a couple of remixes and did it very mid tempo, but it was more cyberpunk Skrillex vibe, you know. So he yeah. was more into that bass scene and then little by little he transitioned himself into the world's album and then after the world's album he's like whatever the fuck you want to put him into in the whatever category it is you know that where he is right now but you see the transition that he's where he started into where he is right now like yeah. he couldn't I, I, I tell you what you could not get away with a world's album if he hadn't done some of the no stuff chance. earlier. Yeah. No chance. He's like a band now. That's how I look at it. He's not just like a, a EDM DJ that he's a he's his own band. Like yeah. You, go, you don't want to, when you go see him, you want to see him play a whole set of just his music. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to find that in anybody else's sets. But that's why it's like so hard for me to choose a both because like I love DJing so much and that's different from DJing. That's like kind of like a performance and DJing, like you mix in songs that are hot with yours. And it's just fun back and forth. It's a fun way to to do it. But it, I, I will say as as uh, for my personal experience is for what I've seen so far, it's not something that you should be focusing more because what you want is get the people to listen to you, get to know you, see who you are, have people play for you. I mean, 4B is already playing your songs. That's over. You're already ahead of the curve. You already got your. You already got artists playing for you. 4B is yeah. playing it. So now, uh, what was the guy's name? Um, that 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 with Tuchami. You you were saying, Machoda. Machoda. All right. He's already playing. Eventually, Tuchami is gonna listen to it. He's <laughs> gonna he's gonna fuck with your with your music. It's gonna go yeah. all around. It's gonna spread around and. Before you know it, you got people playing your music and it's only then, then, then when you have people start playing your music and a label tells you like, hey, you'll be dope if you can make an EP. That's what I'm waiting for. That's, <laughs> that's exactly when you start pulling the Porter Robinson move. That's when you go, <laughs> go like, 
yeah, I can make a banger, but I can also do this. And this exactly. is, and it will define you. Yeah, exactly. I, dude, I made an EP. I was like, let me just make a four song EP and send it out to all these labels that I know to see if something catches real. Not one wanted to release it. So after that, I was like, all right, I'm just going to wait until one of them mm. wants me to ask me to do it. Because it was a lot of work picking which songs I wanted and like mm-hmm. the vibe that I wanted for each one. May I ask you, like, how how did you send the emails to these artists or these labels? Um, so the process is I make the song. Once it's finished, mm-hmm. I send it to, let's say this is day one. I haven't sent an email yet. I, I finish the song. I send it on Mondays or Mondays, Tuesdays or Wednesdays because that's when the, the artists and labels check their, their emails the most. Mm. And I send them like around one o'clock. Mm. So if they're just like getting on their laptop. It's fresh. It's, it's going to be on the top. So I send it to artists first. I wait a week. If anybody plays it, I'll be like, hey, this is supported by uh, GTA 4B. And I mentioned that in the emails to the labels. And then I send it to the labels. And then I wait for their response. And I just do that over and over again. But like, just, you, already, you already know this. We make more than one song a week. So I have like emails scheduled to like April, May already, like every single week to artists and labels. Mm. It's like, a, it's very like methodical, <laughs> but it's like over and over again, you'll get told no or you get ignored, but sometimes things catch. Mm-hmm. I will say that don't, try not to like abuse it. Exactly. That's why I mean, I, bro, I could be sending it more than once a week, but I don't because... I feel like it's overkill already. Yeah. I mean, if if the way I look at it is that if this label didn't say anything after a month, then I'm not going to send them anything afterwards. I'm just going to go. Again? Nah. And, oh, nah. And, and, you know, you'd be thinking, it's like, man, no, don't do that. What if you actually do have the banger and they all of a sudden they send it over and ban, like they listen, like they had their chance. Oh, that's all I can say because I had, the same problem when I was sending music to fucking well, not I can't say fuck fuck these guys because <laughs> these guys actually get released my music. Um, artists intelligence agencies, shout out to them, people who own EDN.com and Parfi yeah. and Dubset.net, which is now called Parfion for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. I've always send them music to that, and usually when they don't, when they feel that the song is not good. They just, it'll, they'll respond to me over a week. It's like, decline, decline. It's like, all right, cool. They don't like it. Yeah, I get a lot of those too. When I send them a song and I hear that the f- the first week, second week, they haven't responded. Usually that means like, oh, this is a good sign. That means that they actually wanted this because that's what happened with my song with Future Fiend when it got released. It took them like a month or so for them to respond to say, hey, we love this song. We want to release it. It's like, all right, dope. But then I send them some other songs. Uh, one that was supposed to be a collaboration with Nitty Gritty, motherfucker, and takes forever for him to to finish songs because he has like 20 other songs to work on. Yeah. So I was like, I can't blame him. So I was like, all right, I'll finish it off for him. I sent it over. I sent it over to Snails, to Dr. Ozzy, to Odd Prophet. A bunch of other people and you know they all fuck with it they all love it and then i was like all right so i got my validation let me send it over to this it took them a month two months three months four months 
until they decided to finally respond to tell me, nah, it's not in it for us. <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Four months to tell me that you want this song or not, even though after I tell you that these certain dustbit producers don't want it, you know I just what? Have, like really low expectations when I do it. That's why I don't care. I'll send it to them. No, no my expectations just broke after that. I was like, <laughs> ah, fuck it. I'm gonna send it to everybody at the same time. Who gives oh, yeah. a shit? That's what I do, bro. I send it to all the labels at the same time and all the artists at the same time. I don't care. Like if they feel butthurt, like sometimes I've had to tell a label, hey, um, I'm not gonna release it with you guys anymore. I'm gonna go with this other label. And if they don't understand, like it's like you said, it's their loss. No, no it's their loss. Like, cause But I go in with low expectations. I don't expect anybody to reply to me. I like enjoy it actually more when I send, when a label is like, hey, we, we'd love to sign this one. And I'm like, finally. And I go back and see how many songs have I sent them before? And it's like 20. And on the 20th, I finally, I finally got it. Yeah. You know, you know Starks, right? Yeah, of course. Shout out to so, him, man. I was a, bro, always been a big fan of Harsh Records. And bro, I sent music to them for two years. Like nothing, not even a, a listen. And after the first day I met him, sent him like he he's like he started listening to my music, and got something signed to the label. And if I would have just like stopped and be like, "Oh, these guys don't pay attention to me," that would have never happened for me. You know, sometimes it's just uh, I I just I, don't care. I just don't care. I'm just like you could ignore me. Fine. I I kind of had that pressure back then, that like I re I really cared. I really care because yeah. I, my mentality is always running very fast. So yeah. it's like, I'm always like, come on, take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Stop wasting my fucking time. Come on, take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Yeah. That's how my mind was going into. And I was putting so much pressure because sometimes there were some labels that I really, 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 really wanted to release on that label. But, you know. I, but I, I'll tell you what, bro. There was some labels that they do responded to me and they told me honestly, hey, man, this song is dope, but it is not for us. Please always. keep sending <laughs> keep sending us more. They always, I, I always get that too. Hey, I, I appreciate I, those. I appreciate those and I'll keep sending them more and I'll keep them first dips on those. It makes me want to like make a better song for them because I know that they're listening mm -hmm. and they're actually replying to me. Mm -hmm. And I just... Look at it it's like, hey, I know I'm make a better song tomorrow than I did today. Every time. Over and over and over and over. Yep. And sometimes they've been like, no. And then you got like big artists start playing it. And it's like, bro, the, who knows who these A&Rs that are listening to these songs? See, that's another other, another <laughs> factor because again, who the fuck are these A&Rs? Are they really actually doing the fucking job? Because again, I tell you, I thought, I thought the songs that I was sending was, was good. Always, yeah. Always. And, you know, when I get these rejections from these people, like I get these, man, is it really bad? Is it that really bad? Music, and yeah. And then when I see some of these fucking artists playing my song. Exactly. <laughs> that's where I go like, ah, uh, yeah, fuck these guys. This you know? guy's playing I'll, my song I'll release it on my own. Thank you. Yeah. And, and they, this big artist will release it. I literally have a song that GTA 4B and somebody else has been playing it. And when I sent that song to labels, no one replied. So it's like, who are these A&Rs? <laughs> who are they? And you know what? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you. This is this is another secret. Secret, guys. I'm exposing <laughs> some truth for the labels. Oh, my God. That's what we're here for. 
Yeah. That's the Lone Wolf podcast for you, man. That's why I'm the is. Lone Wolf. If you send a certain song from SoundCloud, it has to be from SoundCloud, to a certain label, you can tell whether they listen to your song or not because obviously in your stats, it's going to appear. Yeah. It's going to appear like either the label, the icon of the label says that they listen to it or... Or their personal account. <laughs> or their personal account, exactly. That's how you can tell. And if they don't respond to you after you they listen to it, I mean, that's already a, a tell saying like, all right, so they're not in it for us. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to go on to the next one, you know? Another thing, I, if, I don't know if you noticed, um, shit, I know it was last year that I did an episode about labels and their demo submissions and the demo emails. And what did you say about it? I don't remember. I probably watched it. Most of the time, they're dummy accounts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be like no profile picture, no followers. Yeah, like it, they... It's basically what I describe it because this is something, fuck, I, you know what? I can't even say who told me this. I can't even say that. I will be exposing some truth, but I can't say who told me. But they say that um, sometimes these labels, they do have a certain e demo submission email because they get so much requests from other people's in their general inquiry mm -hmm. that they build a demo submission email in which they'll have everybody send all their demos in that submission. That email never gets open. <laughs> Believe that 100%. <laughs> like you've been sending your music for for quite some time, no response. And you're wondering, damn, why? Why? It's because they it's a dummy account. Like they actually have a separate email from the ARRs where you can actually send your music to them personally and they'll respond to you whether they fuck with it or not. That's why when yeah. I see these um, demo submissions from, from many of these web's labels, you can I can tell you, Spinning Records, Never Say Die, oh, or Disciple, Monster Cat, <laughs> like all these guys, like they have a link in which you send in your shit and they're not going to listen to it, bro, because it's... You got to find the ARs emails. That's one of the things I, I don't know if I remember if I did mention that. But yeah, that's one of the things you have to do for to make sure that you your song is being listened and heard. You have to go find the A&Rs of these people. And the way you do it most of the time is by Googling it. Just Bro, Google. you have to know everything. Like, who is the label A&R? Yeah. Um, what's their email? Bro, ask them for their email if you can't find it. And if they don't reply, whatever. You definitely like get way more response when you send it directly to the the A and R because I've ha I have demos emails for like spinning or like other labels like Ausla or something like it gets to a point where like they've never replied or listened so I'm just gonna stop sending it to that email because I don't think they check it. Yeah, and it's probably because your word dump in the spam folder. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, you're not the only one. I I'm a victim of it. I was a victim of it. So you know. This is a game of favor. It's a game of favors. That's why um another thing that I learned to how to how to get to other labels is that if you know somebody that's in from the label, you know. Okay, so like you're saying like since you know them, yeah, like so since I know them, I may actually you know hit them up and say, hey guys, like exactly. can you listen to my songs? Do you think it's worthy to send it? And they can hook you up and or help you out. And say yeah. Let me send it to you to this label or to this R A and R or to the label manager. And Dr. Ozzy, if you know Dr. Ozzy, then you know, never say die, black label, odd profits, the same. Never say die. 
If you know um, Borgor, his own label, buy Gore Records, you know, like if you know these certain artists, like they can help you again. Like you can't go ahead and say, I know this certain person and let me ask for let me ask them to help me up with that. No, like, bro. Like, yeah, they want to help you since because like, everything's relationships. Yeah, so every, exactly. Label. Exactly. Everything is relationship. A, yeah. Let's say I had a label and I got 100 demos and you sent me one like. Those other 99 are people that I don't know. And like, if I like it, I like it, whatever. But yours, I'm going to, I already want to like it. Like, yeah. Because I want to work with people that I know. Exactly. The other people I could care less. Exactly. So, like, there's more of a chance. Exactly. We already know each other. Exactly. And, and most of the time, um, how it works, you know, you obviously you build a relationship with these certain artists, you know, beyond beyond saying like you know like yo let's do a collab or whatnot and shit bro like like no it doesn't yeah, come never to do that. that never do that that's a that's a i did it a couple times and i'm like i feel like an idiot i oh, just stopped because they didn't reply and like we already followed each other and i asked and i'm just like damn they didn't reply i'm never doing this again nah. <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry that you had to go through that but you know that's, what that's like what you said about the labels that you, uh, i take it way way too personal with the collab thing so i just stopped doing it yeah <laughs> bro because i'm telling you i i've seen it before i've never done that i will tell you this i've never asked somebody to do a collab unless they ask me hey let's do a collab yeah like not I, even my friends i don't even ask them anymore night nah, nah bro and i like making music by myself too yeah, I like making music as well. And I I will be dope. It'll be dope if I make a collab with some of these artists. But you know, sometimes they got like other shit to do and and I'm You'd have in, to ask me. Yeah, and I'm in that mentality that like let's go, let's go, let's go. What's 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 the hold up, you know? But you know Yeah. Um, I have friends that I want to make music with, but I, I like when I'm making music, I like to make every decision myself, mm-hmm. nobody else changing it. Right. But at the same time, I like their music and their style. So I just say, if they ask me and they send me something, then we do it. Or we're in the same room and we, we do it together. But I don't ask. Yeah, exactly. That's the way to go, guys. Like, that's the way it goes. You can't just go ahead and meet somebody and, you know, down for a collab. Like, no, gonna bro. Say no. I mean, it happens to me. People ask me all the time. And um I have just and I tell them straight up. I'm like, send me some ideas. I'm always down to I'm work down to work with anybody. If you send me a good idea, I don't care who you are. I tell them, you send me the ideas. I'm gonna tell you straight up, no or yes, and like you can't feel any way about it. Nah, I'm I'm too mean. I'm gonna reply. I'm gonna respond. I I either no wait a minute. No, I always do respond. I always too mean and straightforward. Like I'm very brutal, too, honest. I, I just tell them, um, no, I'm not in it for collapse right now. And <laughs> no, one of the things you when you're in this business is you don't go ahead and straight up ask somebody yep. to do a collab when you barely know somebody. No, you had to build a relationship with that someone before you do the collab. They'll, they'll learn that though. Like I had a kid that was following me and he asked me to collab and like I didn't know anything about him never heard his music before mm-hmm. and I looked at his profile and doesn't have a big following or anything and I asked him and I told him hey you can send me some ideas but can't promise most you anything likely I'm not gonna I probably won't yeah um and I told him and I wanted to help him I, t- I sent him a long message I'm like what you got to think about this um what do you bring to the table that would make me Boom. make a song with you 
instead of me just doing it all by myself because I can make Boom. music and I could make any of the music. Like, what are you doing different that I can't? Or what following do you have that I can't get? Exactly. He unfollowed me after I sent him to him. That's why that will never <laughs> reach far, man. In three years, he might look back. He, he should look back and he's going to be like, then he's right. <laughs> no, it is like, come on. I get that some of these kids or these people have never done this before. So they don't know how, how to work with this or how to approach somebody about, let me ask somebody an email. Let me ask somebody how to do a collaboration. Let me ask uh, this, this and that. Like, I get it because I'll tell you what, if it wasn't for, for my school and all my mentors, I'll probably be, not be the person that I am right now in, in order for me to, talk to people or negotiate with people, you know, or establish relationship with people, you know, because yeah. if, I, I could be that same guy that you, you told her to fuck off. Like I could be the guy that, yo, let's do a collab, even though like I got a thousand followers and nothing else to bring in the table for you that has like yeah. 20 million followers, you know? Yeah. I could have told that kid. I could have not even responded to him, mm. <laughs> but I, another thing with collabs, like just like you, you don't like to wait. Like, I hate waiting. Like when you make a collab, yeah. it's going to take a, a bit because we have different lives. It's going to take longer than if you just did it by yourself. I agree, bro. And I hate waiting because I, I, I don't like um, working on two projects at the same time. I just like going one at a time and I don't start a new one until I finish. Mm. So it's like I know I get tired of, of the one that I was making if I start a new one and I don't want to go back to it. <laughs> Oops. That's kind of interesting and because I'm kind of the opposite of that. I'm kind of like, all right, if I'm if I already did this project, I'm too tired to work on it. There's some things I want to work on. Like, let me jump into another project and then I work on that project. It's like, oh, I'm too tired about this one. Let me jump back again. And then I go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until boom, I got two songs ready to go. Yeah, and I can't then, do that, bro. It's a skill. It's definitely a skill. <laughs> <laughs> and I it, feel like that. I would slip into um, having a lot of songs that are not done. So I, that's why I focus on finishing it. Even if I'm tired of it already, mm -hmm. I just, I got to finish it at least. And then I start something else. Right. I mean, right. yeah, I, I just don't, I don't like the, the wedding, you know, waiting for you to do your part so we can move this forward. Like I get it. It's great. It. Like, you know, that's, that's, an, that's another reason why, you know, I didn't want to continue working with needy. Gre I mean, I love the guy, but, I sent him over two projects to do two different collaborations in which the fact that he sent me to send me these projects means that whatever I did on this song is actually dope and he wants to get on board on it. But, you know, me waiting for him to decide when he's done or not. And I don't want to be the guy to be on his ass every week. It's like, hey, have you worked something around it? Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, that's kind of annoying, too. So It's happened to me. Uh, the Get, uh, people will be like, hey, have you worked on it? And I'm just like, dude, you sent it to me yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's kind of different, all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of yeah. different because that's like, all right, dude, you, like, I, I just I just opened up the session. Like, come on, give me some time, you know? <laughs> Now you're being a little bit desperate. <laughs> and I'll, what also, like, you and Nitty are boys, so you don't, and you know he's a really good producer, but then what happens if he sends you something? And it's not that it's bad quality or anything. It's good quality. You just don't really care for the idea. Then you got to tell them. Are you going to tell them or are you just going to leave it? The 
thing is, he and I have a great relationship, and he and I are honest with each other. So I'll That's tell good. him. I'll tell him straight up to his fucking face. Yeah, I don't give exactly. a shit. <laughs> I like. Yes, that's good because that's like a different level than just like knowing each other. Yeah, like I mean, again, we went to school together. Exactly. I've helped him how to DJ into uh, what the DJ monster that he is right now. I took him to his Florida tours uh, to all these shows in Florida. It was a fucking fun experience. Like, I know the guy on a personal level. Like, yeah, I even text him saying pretty boy and other shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, my relationship with him, me and him, we're always honest with each other, you know? So, I can just you simply tell be. him to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had, I've had a collab with some people that I know. That I've that I've looked up to, and when they send it back to me, I didn't like it, and I'm like, "Hey, let's just, I'll re I'll just release this on my own. I'll, I'll just finish this on my own." Yeah. Even though I really wanted a collaboration with them. Yeah, but I'd you want have the song be how I want it. You wanted the collaboration, but you want the song to be great. You know, you don't want it. You don't want the song to be half ass or have the idea changed into the vision yeah. that you originally had it or wanted, you know? There were actually times in which I'm I'm very adaptable. It's like, as long as it's something that I can fuck with and 100%. I'm I'm happy to, for the changes. Like, if the change is needed because it's going to make the song even bigger, okay, let's listen to it. Let's hear about it. Let's go for it, you know? I'm all for it, for change and adaptability. But if it becomes, like, change the whole concept from scratch, like, everything's for scratch then you know like all right then we just lost the idea yeah we just lost the exactly. idea at that, at that point i would be literally all right let's continue working with this song whatever the song is it is now and i'll still keep the original idea with me exactly. and release it on another name and another time if that's exactly what happens to me then i'm like okay so i guess i'm gonna do that other idea on my own yeah <laughs> Uh, it's tricky. I have some guys though that I work with. I've done a couple collabs with. With Cisnero is one of them, and another one of my boys. His name is Redacted. Now that wait, there's certain people that you just click. Mm. And work. We make a song in like two days. Boom, boom, boom. Like everything they send me, and like I love it. They love everything I'm doing. And then others, it doesn't work out like that. <laughs> that happens a lot to me with all my homie producers. Like it doesn't matter who. It's always somebody that takes forever and, and you know like <laughs> at that time i'll just ignore it i just like i move along you know 100 i feel i mean with with the with nitty gritty it was just two collaborations that i didn't even ask for it he just asked for it you know let's get yo send me the project sessions like let, let's do a collab i was like oh shit i'm down for it okay cool but i never hear it from it back and when i did it's like oh shit i totally forgot about that i was like this motherfucker <laughs> I'm a I'm a ju no. high jump kick his fucking throat, you know. I can't imagine, and that's something that we just don't understand yet, and maybe we'll understand later. Maybe um, he's he's on some other level. I mean, I understand him. That's why I take you know sympathy for him because you know I know his life. I know all that goes down. I know that he, he's a machine. And every every week is a new song. That's how he works. Every week. In fact, in a matter of hours, he already has the idea of a song. 
in two yeah. days he, that song is like you feel like that song is complete but in reality it's like far from it there's so many more things but that's how he works like and he not only he works for himself but he works f- he produces music for other exactly. artists like more in the hip hop exactly. scene you know so he has a fucking busy schedule so I can sympathize him and I can understand why because my song is like right here and all his other projects is right here. You get it? Like, like my song is not top priority because... Yeah, he's got like priorities that he has to... Yeah. Deadlines probably. Yeah. And again, what can I bring into the table other than he and I are homies? Bingo. Like, That's when you got to like, hey, if, if I'm not there yet, then I got to bring up my value. Yeah. Until they ask me. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, I'll be honest, uh, like, I'm not full of myself. Like, I know how f- how many followers I have. I don't know how many followers he has. And I know that if I he and I make a song, excuse me, it benefits me a lot. But I don't know yeah. how much it benefits him. You know, right. for him, it, it could be it's just another song. So it doesn't yeah. it won't change the matter. But for me, it's an opportunity, you know. And that's exactly. where I drew the line in some of these uh, artists in which I'd be like, you know what? I need, like you say, I need to be at that air level so, you know, we can mutually help each other out. Yeah. It motivates me to, to get not just on their level, but a bigger level to where they're like, damn, I remember this kid hitting me up and now he's bigger than me. That's yeah. what I want. <laughs> and I, I even with, not even just collaboration, just like, uh, bookings etc like you have to bring value to them especially exactly exactly that's why i haven't even be i i, I still i'm homies with them i didn't i didn't build relationship with them just so it benefits me at all not at all like this is all because i'm a very loyal person and i like to help people out you know that's right. that's that's how it's supposed to be we help each other out you know and especially the same i have the same relationship as with Mozart. At least with with Pat, shout out to Pat, you know, and I love I love those guys, you know. Like I would if never, just, I'm never asking anything. Right, right, right. If you're just like not a piece of shit, and you're a good person, and you're not like a weirdo, like asking for things, you Boom. get so far. Like, imagine the weird shit they come across. Boom. <laughs> imagine how many others they come across on a daily basis on a, or during touring, you know. Yeah, must be exhausted because hey, I was actually one of those guys as well on the behind the backstage that that I will ask certain artists for their emails, but I come in with good intentions. I know I appreciate that if somebody asks me that. I will I will ask and say, hey, how you doing? If you're not too busy, man, you know, is it okay if I ask you for your emails? You know, I got some music. If or you give like, my USB. I, don't I feel know. like they don't listen to it, but I've done it a couple times. The USB thing, uh, you know what? Nitty Gritty d- did that a couple of times. It's, it hasn't happened to me yet, but if somebody gave me a USB, I'm definitely listening to it. Uh, you wouldn't? It's, I'll tell you why. It's because um, when I used to work in the Clevelander, I get people ask for demos every time I, it's my shift. Every time. Every time somebody wants to go to the DJ booth, they want to send yeah, them yeah. the CD or the USB or download this certain certain songs, you know, like for the DJ to play it. For the DJ to play it, and I get irritated. I get yeah. it because 
I get once I get asked, okay, that's fine. But it's every shift at Wait, the you night. DJed, you DJed at the Clevelander? No, no, no. I was just uh, the uh, the AV guy. I was just yeah, in charge of the, the lighting. and the, But the DJ was like open format, right? Yeah. So they're like hip hop artists and stuff, like trying to give them demos. Yeah. I feel like that's different from us in electronic music, like producers trying to give us demos. No. It's just the same concept applies into the EDM regardless. Like, you know, you like all introductions and everything. You give me a demo. I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do? It's like, oh, there's that fire stuff. That's the fire stuff. It's like, I, you say it's fire stuff. I, I, when somebody tell me it's the fire stuff, I will immediately discard it because <laughs> nine times out of 10, it, it ain't that fire stuff. Hey, at least you got a, a new USB from it. Damn, I waste, I throw away <laughs> so many USBs. You actually had a good point. Fuck. I would keep them. Fuck. So, I remember, um, I think two years ago, Treehouse was like, uh, hey, come in and bring your USB with a mix. We're looking for DJs. And I'm just like, man, I better be picked because I'm wasting this USB right now. <laughs> they never hit me back up, so they got to keep it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This was like two or two and a half years ago. I was, I re- I was like, I'm gonna, definitely going to get picked. This is a good mix. Nah. <laughs> I was like, damn, I could have kept that USB. <laughs> See, that's another reason why I would not go give you a USB because how much money would you spend normally on a USB? Like, what, five bucks, ten bucks? At least, yeah. And depends how many times you lose it. So how many times have you given a USB to a certain artist? Only about three or four times. So out of those three or four times, you probably spend already like 20, 25 bucks average, give or take. Yeah, probably more. And have... Have they said anything in return? Have they never, never, it's never worked. Okay, so again, may I that's ask why you? I just didn't do it anymore. <laughs> that's why that's that's why I asked for the for their emails. It's much easier, and I can just give you the links and and let it and let it fly, man. And at least I know with the links, I can tell that you 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 listen to me or not. Yeah. But you know, given the USB as a as a part of a demo stretch strategy style, like save that money, man. Save that <laughs> money. You know, that's that's the best advice I could give you. You know, like I can't just like God knows how many times those people who send demos giving me demos to me and knowing I'm not the only one. There's probably others more that they they have to give those demos away. So imagine that you spend money and none of them could give free thoughts about you or your song. Right. 